Let's pray one more time before we start this message. God, thank you for today. Thank you for this group of people. Thank you for these children that we get to dedicate to you. Lord, we pray that we would, that we would be a body that, that works intentionally to, to make you known in the lives of the people around us. We pray, Father, that you would be honored and glorified in us, that you would cause us to know you, that you would use your spirit to encourage our hearts this morning, that you would use your spirit to challenge our hearts, that you would, Father, that you would just cause us conviction where we need conviction, bolstering where we need bolstering, a clear picture of you in our minds and in our hearts. We love you, and it's in your name we pray, amen. So before we moved up to the UP, I had been on Lake Superior. Uh, never over in this area of Lake Superior. We didn't know this area existed. We had been to Duluth, and, and I'd been in the lake. I had seen some, some waves. I'd heard stories about what the waves on Lake Superior can be like, and, and I grew up going to lakes all the time. My grandparents lived on a on a cab or lived in a cabin on a lake in northern Minnesota, a big lake. What I thought was a big lake. It was a mere 21 miles across. Whatever Lake Superior is is much larger. But storms would come in, and and storms could be really interesting. They could be fun to watch, or they could be terrifying. When is a storm fun to watch, and when is it terrifying? This last winter, we would watch waves come in from the back window of the house that we've been living in, and the waves would crash against the breaker wall, and they would go over the breaker wall. Didn't really impress me that much. The breaker wall is really little. You can tell because I'm so far away. And so one day, we went out on the breaker wall, and I realized that it's like 10 feet tall, and the waves are going over it. Those are big waves. That's impressive, right? Even knowing that, watching the big waves hit the breaker wall still caused me zero concern while watching from my house. Why? Because I knew that the house wasn't going anywhere. No matter what happened on the lake, no matter how bad it got, we were safe where we were. Now, had I been in a canoe out on the lake during those storms, I would have been dead, but terrified before that, right? Because I wouldn't have been in a secure spot. I wouldn't have known that I was safe. That's what we get in Psalm 46, a recognition of what causes us to be secure, a recognition of what causes us to be safe. Let's read the psalm. You know at least part of this psalm. To the choir master of the sons of Korah, according to the Alamoth, a song. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose stream makes glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help 
When morning dawns, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He has made wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Twice we see here the Lord of hosts. And we've, we've mentioned this, but when you see Lord in all capital letters, it means the very name of God. Not just the Lord as a concept, but Yahweh as a being. Yahweh who controls the armies, the general of the armies. That's what Lord of hosts is. There's a general flow to this psalm. The psalmist starts with the truth. God is our refuge. God is our strength. He then goes into issues. He then comes back to the truth. He then goes back to issues. He then comes back to the truth and then goes back to issues and then comes back to the truth. And it's that truth that bookends the entire passage that is to cause us to know that we stand on sure footing. There is, in that verse that we all know, be still and know that I am God, there is a truth there that in the midst of the storms, there is stillness. But if we're not careful, we're going to misunderstand what that means. So that flow is going to drive us through this whole message, through this whole psalm, to see the point and the point is that God is our refuge. He is our help. He is our strength. He is the one who protects. He is the one who wins. He is the one who does the things, and we are still, and we know that he is God. Now, I may shatter all of your hopes and dreams about using a verse to cause your children to do their devotions, but be still and know that I am God has absolutely nothing to do with your devotions. It has absolutely nothing to do with your quiet time. Though it feels like it could because it talks about be still and know that I am God. It gives this idea, that a feeling of quiet timeness, but that's not what it's about. Remember the whole cycle of this psalm? The cycle of this psalm is that God is our refuge in the midst of calamity. God is our refuge in the midst of wars. God is our refuge in the midst of desolation. God is our refuge in the midst of him causing peace. Now, you as his people, it says, be still and know that he is God. It's not a quiet time demand. It's a when your life is falling apart demand. It's when, it's when illness and calamity rage, rage over you, rage around you. It's when there's wars that you can't stop. It's when there's desolation, brokenness, drought, famine, lacking. It's when God causes peace that we as his children step back and we are still knowing that we are doing nothing and though he seems silent, right? The silent P. Though he seems silent, he is at work. He is our refuge. 
He is our fortress. He is our help. He has victory, and we stay still in the midst of the storm. Now, that feels lazy sometimes, and it can be. Don't miss, don't miss this. Don't overplay this. This is not a verse that we're to use so that we can do nothing and we have to put no effort in. God calls us to put effort in all throughout the Scripture. We just have to recognize that He is the one causing it to happen. He is the one causing it to work. Not us. Be still. Stop your fretting. Stop your working. Stop your thinking that you need to cause it to happen. And know, recognize, understand, experience even that he is God. He will be exalted among the nations. He doesn't say might. He will be exalted. Philippians chapter 2 says this about Jesus in verses 9 and 10. Therefore God, so because Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to death and God put him to death and he rose back from the dead, therefore God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Well, 500 years earlier, before Paul wrote this, the psalmist wrote that God will be exalted. How is he going to ultimately be exalted? He's ultimately going to be exalted by Jesus. Jesus is going to be that one who is preeminent above everything else. He is the one going to be exalted above everything else. How is that going to happen? It's going to happen by him doing what only he can do. And we sit back and watch. We do whatever he calls us to. And when he calls us to sit back and watch, we sit back and watch. When he calls us to act, we act. It might seem impossible. It might seem impossible to sit back and be still to watch him work. It might seem impossible to do what he calls us to do, and that might be the very point of what he wants. Hebrews chapter, or we'll get to Hebrews in a second. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, Jesus says this. But Jesus looked at them, so the disciples are saying, how can anyone be saved? If what you're saying is true, Jesus says, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Not just the salvation of people, but all things. Back in Luke chapter 1, verse 37, the angel is speaking to Mary. And Mary says, I can't have a baby. It's not physically possible. And he says, with God, this is not impossible. With God, this is possible. And then we get to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And the author of Hebrews says this. And this is back to that whole, it's impossible, we can't do this sort of mindset. And in order to be still, when he calls us to be still, in order to act when he calls us to act, it requires faith. It's the only way we can do it. Because it's not us causing something to happen. It's him. Hebrews 11.6 says this. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to him 
must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So now back to the, it's not laziness to be still. We're earnestly seeking him. And in that earnestly seeking, he may call, call us to just sit down and take a breath. He may call us to follow him with passion and zeal and effort. And whatever he calls of us, that's what we are to do because we can be still knowing that even if he causes us or calls us to move, it's still him at work. We can be still resting in him knowing that he is the accomplisher of all things and we can see, we can recognize, we can know that he is God. So back to the psalm. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted. Why will God be exalted when we are still? Because everyone will see that he is the one working. And when people see God at work, his name is exalted. When we give the impression that we're the one causing something to happen, when we think in our minds that we're the one causing something to happen, when we want other people to think that we're the ones causing something to happen, then God doesn't receive the glory for that thing. Because we've wrongly put ourselves in the middle of the impetus. We're the one causing it. And then we receive the glory and honor. But we're to be still and know that he is God. He will be exalted among the nations. He will be exalted in all the earth. So now back to the beginning. The truth. God is our refuge and strength. He is a very present help in trouble. Meaning now. Well, now when they wrote this, but also now today. Now when they wrote this, but also now 10 years ago, five years ago, three years ago. He is our very present help in time of trouble. And because he is, therefore, right, we know what that word is. We'll say it until everyone can just repeat it with me. Years and years and years from now. Because it is the worst pastor joke ever. But it is the best pastor joke when you're the pastor. When you see the word therefore, you have to ask what it's there for. Why is it there? Because of the truth that we get in verse 1. Because of that, we have no fear. How can we have no fear? If I was in a canoe out on Lake Superior, I would be terrified. Is that wrong? I had to one time, if you've ever been to the St. Louis Archway, go. Then go up it in the most rickety, awful, elevator-ish thingy you can imagine. Now, Josiah's making faces at me because he and I went there for the express purpose of going up there, and it was sort of toward the end-ish of COVID, and we found out that you needed a ticket, and it was all sold out for like four days. So we drove all the way to St. Louis and found out we couldn't go up. So stop it, son. <laughs> you go up this, and the elevator's not even the bad part, though it takes a long time, and it feels like you're on, it feels like you're on a carnival ride that nobody's done anything with for a while. That's what it feels like. And you get to the top, and there's windows to look out. And it's this big, you know, thing. And you can look out the windows and look far out, except it's not like that. It's actually shaped like this. So in order to look out the windows, the windows are here looking down, which apparently somebody thought was a good idea. You have to lean out a long ways 
to look out the window, and I am terrified of heights. And I learned in that moment, there's no way in the world I could jump to my death. Couldn't happen. I was sweating. I'm in a very secure thing that hundreds and thousands of people have gone through, and I was terrified that it was going to break and I was going to fall through. Okay, wrong kind of terror, a little bit. But you're going to be scared of things. That's not the wrong part. The wrong part, as we're seeing here, is to forget that God is your refuge. He is the one who causes you to not have to have fear. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. Why? Because we know and we trust that even if the whole world crumbles, even if disease ravages everyone, God hasn't changed. So there's no reason to be afraid. Being afraid of what's going to happen in the end, in the future, that maybe we're going to miss out, lose out, whatever, shows that we don't trust. That's the problem. That's what he's saying. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. Though calamity comes. He doesn't use the word calamity, but that's what he's talking about. Though calamity comes, we won't be afraid. Why? Because Romans 8 28 says that God has a plan. Romans 8.31 says that God is for us so no one can stand against us. Ephesians 1.11 tells us that God himself works all things after the counsel of his will. So there's no reason to be afraid because God hasn't lost control. The reality is the biggest storm on Lake Superior is coming and I'm 150 feet up on a hill watching it come in out my back window. There's no reason to be afraid because it can't hit me. In life, though, it may kill you. And you're still not supposed to be afraid. Why? Because death is just the first of an eternity worth of steps with God. And since we're broken people, We forget this. Oh, we weren't designed to die. So understand that. That's why death is scary. We weren't designed to interact with it. We weren't designed to have it. But we do because we're sinful and we are broken. But the only way to fix us is for us to die. And then he fixes us. So even if the calamity, even if the war, even if all of that kills us, it doesn't change the end. So God is our refuge. Even though there's calamity, we don't have to have fear. Then he starts all over and he says in verse 4 that there's a river whose stream makes glad the city of God. So, so not only is there calamity out there, there's also a river that God's using for peace and prosperity. God is in the midst of her and he shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. So the nations rage. This is not a simple disagreement amongst nations. This is all-out war. One group of people seeking to destroy another group of people. Go back to Psalm chapter 2, which we're actually talking about in a couple of weeks. And it starts out, why are the nations raging? And why do the kingdoms plot in vain? They're, They're pitting themselves, they think, against each other, but really against God. And God laughs at them. Just imagine that. The most powerful nations on the earth are setting themselves against God and God chuckles. 
because the toddler can't possibly hurt you. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, but God utters his voice and the earth melts. So here's a kingdom. They've got swords and shields and chariots and bows and all these weaponry, and God's very words can make the earth melt. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth, which we need to keep in mind. Sometimes the desolations that are on the earth are because God sent them. Go to Habakkuk chapter 1, and Habakkuk says to God, God, Israel is broken. There's injustice. We're wrong. We're pig-headed. We're sinful. We're all the things you could put to it. And God says, Habakkuk, And if I told you my plan, you wouldn't believe me because my plan is to have a worse nation come in and destroy you. To bring disease and pestilence to ravage your country. He has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. In this case, now it's not desolations. Now he's taken all the instruments of war and he's destroyed them. So God is our fortress. He is our refuge in calamity, cycle one. So we can trust him because in the end, he's still the same and he is for us. God is our refuge. He is our help. Though the Though the kingdoms rage in war, there's no fear. God is, or cycle two, cycle three, God is our help when he brings desolation or when he brings peace. And though that one seems a little out of place, it's not. Sometimes, for some of us, it's easier to trust that God is in control when things are going badly, but when they start to go good, we start to say that we're doing a really good job but it's not us doing a really good job when there's peace. It's God doing what only God can do, which is why right after it says that he makes war cease, he breaks the bow and shatters the spear, he burns the chariots with fire, so be still and know that I am God. In the midst of peace, in the midst of desolation, in the midst of war, in the midst of calamity, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted. I will be lifted up in all the earth. All of the focus shift goes back to God, back to who he is and what he's done. It stays off of us. No matter how well we did, it stays off of us no matter how poorly we did. It stays off of us no matter how perfect we are. It stays off of us no matter how much we fail. We are still, and we know that he, Yahweh, is God. He is the worker. He's the fortress. He's the refuge. He's the helper. He's the one who wins. So we can be still in the midst of whatever storm there is because he is God. He is at work. The Lord of hosts, Yahweh Sabaoth, is with us. 
The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's pray. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us your son. God, we as people fail miserably at times, consistently. Lord, we fail to remember that you are the actor, the winner, the one exalted, the one lifted high. We ask, Father, that you would remind us gently of who you are, of what you've done, of how you work. Cause us, Father, to love you, honor you, know you. Cause us to be still in whatever storm you bring about in our lives as we trust you. Cause us to act, though, when you call us to act. Cause us to be men and women who love you more than anything else, who trust you beyond everything else. Thank you, Lord, for this group of people, our time together. Thank you for, for the songs we can sing. Thank you for the spirit you've put in us. Thank you for your son who died on the cross for our sins. We love you. We praise you. We honor you. And it's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.